Good morning, everyone. Would you want to make your way to the front? And we're going to do a bunch of hymns this morning, or some hymns this morning. First one is Jesus Saves. morning. We're glad to see each one here. I hope you are glad to be here, whether you came, um, came for Wayne and the Eastside Band or whether you are here every Sunday or whether you happen to stumble in today for reasons other than that. We're, uh, we're happy to see you and we're hope you, hope, I hope you're happy to uh, see each other and to be here this morning. Let's take our bulletins and quickly look at some of the announcements that are, that are uh, coming up this week. Tuesday of this coming week, uh, there will be a congregational meeting at the church at 7, 7 o'clock. If this is the congregation that you feel part of, this is your church, you are welcome to be at the congregational meeting. There are a few things that, that uh, uh, are, so voting and so on is eligible for people who are members of the congregation, but if this is your church, please come to the congregational meeting and be involved in the discussion. So that's Tuesday at 7. There's other regularly scheduled events going on at the church, and you can see those there. Skip down to the later announcements. There is uh, value sledding opportunities. There is a baby shower coming up for Riley and Nicole. Uh, that's on the 24th. There's other, other, things, other things to keep in mind there as well. Uh, Russell also asked me to announce that uh, there's opportunity for both membership classes and baptism. So those are, those are related, related but slightly separate topics. If you are interested either or both in becoming uh, baptized, if you've never been baptized before, uh, or if you are interested, uh, having been baptized, in becoming a member of the congregation, uh, you can talk to Pastor Russell about that or any one of the church board or ministerial uh, about that. 
Um, are there other announcements that need making this morning? Hearing none, let's go into our service. Let's start with a word of prayer, and then we will read some scripture to open our time together. Let's pray. Our God, you have been with us through the week that was past, and sometimes we recognized you and felt you and were aware of your presence, either in our own lives or through, through, um, through others. Other times we were not, and you were, you were walking with us, uh, and we were unaware of it. And we thank you, and we appreciate your presence uh, in, either, in either of those ways. And we pray that as we go into our time of worship now, that your presence would be here in this room with us and, and we with each other as well. Amen. The writer of the psalm, of the psalm says in Psalm 29, he's talking about the Lord, um, the characteristics of God, and I want, uh, I want to draw your particular attention to um, kind of, so he talks through the, through the psalm about the power and majesty of, of God, but the conclusion that that comes to, what is the power and majesty and might of God for? Uh, and that comes out in the last verse. Ascribe to the Lord, you heavenly beings, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. This is Psalm 29. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due to his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over mighty water. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. The Lord makes Lebanon leap like a calf and Siron like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord strikes with flashes of lightning. The voice of the Lord shakes the desert. The voice of the Lord shakes the desert of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord twists the oaks and strips the forests bare and, his temp and in his temple all cry glory. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord is enthroned as the king forever. The Lord gives strength to his people and the Lord blesses his people with peace. The word of the Lord for God's people. He keeps me singing. This is the next song we'll do. Yes. 
in my choir said that I shouldn't be asking the ladies to sing uh, Perfect Submission. <laughs> One person got So, we'll all do it. Perfect Submission. Perfect Submission All is at rest I am Since you're my choir today, can you stand, please, if, you, if you're able? Ladies, first two lines, men, the second two lines. 
Sit down. <clears throat> so this song is uh, it's not an old hymn, although sometimes it's referred to as the untitled hymn. And it's more a contemporary praise and worship type song. But uh, yeah, it's called Untitled Hymn. <laughs>
gospel text for this morning is from the gospel of Mark. We'll read from chapter 1 beginning in verse 4 through verse 11. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The entire Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to see him and confessing their sins They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of the hair of a camel with with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was himself baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit of God descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven saying, you are my son whom I love With you, I am well pleased. God's word for God's people. Good morning. Uh, I really appreciated that song, Come to Jesus. Uh, It is um, an honor and a privilege that we can come together and unite ourselves as we um, bring prayer requests and praise items to to God together. So join me in a time of prayer, please. God, we just want to thank you for the way you are working in and through your people. And we just pray, God, that throughout the country this morning, your word is preached uh, and that people are touched by the message of of salvation and hope. God, we want to thank you for Daryl. He is recovering at home now. And we just want to pray for continued, um, continued recovery, pray for strength, pray that you would provide everything that Daryl and Audrey need right now, God. Um, so we just want to thank you for them. Um, we want to pray for continued healing for Elvira as she is in the care home in McGregor now. God, we just thank you that it worked out. You worked it out so that she could be in a facility at home. And we just thank you for that. Uh, we want to pray for the Reverend at the, of the United Church as he uh, starts his ministry here. God, we just pray that um, you would just bless the ministry as he follows your word. We want to thank you, God, for the way you are working in, um, in people's lives, God. We just pray for, for, for continued strength and healing for Russell. Uh, we want to pray for continued strength and healing for all that are dealing with uh, sicknesses of different types, God. We just thank you that in the times when we're stressed and we're worried that we can come before you and, and uh, cast those cares upon you. And Lord, as we... Uh, think of ways that we can encourage um, each other. We just pray, Lord, that you would continually impress on our hearts how we can be 
a messenger of hope and peace today. God, thank you so much for loving us. Amen. Children's Church, you're dismissed. You can follow Christine to the older class. Thank you so much for all of you who prayed for me when I had my stress test this past Tuesday. Uh, if you've never gotten the privilege, though, the wonder of having a stress test before, they, they make you run on a treadmill until you feel like you're going to die, which for somebody with a heart condition is not as long as you would think. But here's the thing. I made it, I kid you not, two minutes longer than last year. And most importantly, I made it longer than I have since I was like 23. And so... Thank you so much for praying. I know what you're thinking. No, these awesome new shoes had nothing to do with that time. I bought them afterward. They have arch support and everything, so I'm just looking forward to what next year's stress test is going to be. But thank you so much for all of the prayer. All right. But we are in the season of Epiphany once again. The season where we praise God that he came for all people and not just his chosen, not just us. And today's passage is one that we would think of normally as it should belong in this season because this is normally the time of year we talk about it. It is the passage where we talk about the baptism of Jesus Christ. But the version that we are talking about today is one that I don't think we've talked about since I've come here, and that is the version of Jesus' baptism in the book of Mark, Mark 1, 4 to 11, as you heard read before, Mark 1, 4 to 11. And Mark, he has some interesting things that he emphasizes, things that are going to come up throughout the rest of his gospel, and things that, let's just say, have a lot to say about what it means that God came for all people and not just the ones that you would think of, those that are good enough. And so if you have your Bibles, that is where you're going to turn. And we read. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, and they were confessing their sins, and they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. Gross. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, whose straps on the sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now, an interesting thing about this passage that Mark makes sure that we all notice, that the other Gospels do not spend as much time talking about, is, is that the people that came to Jesus to be baptized, we are told where they're from in Mark. They are from the Judean countryside. They are from Jerusalem, and they go out to be baptized by John. That is something for us to note. It's something that's going to come up quite a bit as we go through uh, the gospel of Mark, as you go through the gospel of Mark. But the reason that that is interesting to note is because if you are anything like me, when you think of Jesus' baptism, when you think of all of the people that came to John the Baptist, 
uh, John the Baptist to get baptized, you probably think that these are people that are new to God. These are people that have never experienced him one way or the other. These are people that have never had the privilege of knowing who our Lord is. That is not the case. Jerusalem, that is kind of the big seat of power of Judaism at this point. Not Judaism, of the Jewish people at this point. That is where the temple is. That is where the chief priests are. That is where the Sanhedrin is. That is where the Sadducees have their seats of power. That is where the people that are the stereotypical, these are the chosen. That is where they are from. These are people who have known God their whole life. These are people who were raised on stories of who God is. In the Old Testament, the same stories that we are raised on their whole life. These are the people that know God through and through. And the same thing goes for the Judean countryside because when we go through the Judean countryside throughout the rest of the gospel, the people that come up most often that are finding their homes there are Pharisees. There are a ton of them. And the Pharisees are the people that they believe that the right way to follow God is you do it as legalistically as possible. You follow the law of Moses down to the letter, and if there is going to be any reason that down to the letter isn't good enough, then we're going to put a whole new level of rules, a whole new level of laws, just to make sure that we do things right. The people that are coming to get baptized are not people that did not know God one way or the other. These are people who had known him well their whole life. That's who Mark wants us to know got baptized by John. And the reason why, we're going to get to that in a bit. But they, this isn't to say that they were not excited. I mean, after all, uh, who of us at some point or another doesn't know a story or it's happened to themselves? You go to Bible camp, you were just absolutely overwhelmed by what it is that you were learning and about your need to recommit to the Lord. You forget, you repent of all your sins and then you recommit right then and there. That is what is happening. And so the fact that that is what is happening, that, that isn't the thing that we care so much about as much as what is the message that is causing them to do that. And the message is the repentance of sins. The message is to be baptized. The message is do this because the one is coming who will baptize with the Spirit like I do with water. Why should we repent? Why should we be baptized? Why should we recommit ourselves to God? Because the Messiah is coming, the one who will do the will of the Lord. And when he comes, you want to be prepared. You want to know that you are in line to follow him in what it is that is needed. After all, the Holy Spirit is what he will baptize with, something we see very clearly later on when we get to Pentecost the Holy Spirit, that every time the Holy Spirit comes up throughout all of the stories these people would have known throughout all of the Old Testament, when it comes upon someone, that's when things get real. That's when the story of God reaching out to all the people of the world is moved forward. That is when you see God clearly and the one is coming who will baptize all that follow him with the Holy Spirit, why wouldn't you want to repent? Put the sins, the things that keep you from our God to the side. Why wouldn't you want to be baptized to announce to the whole 
world that I am following this God. I am following his Messiah. I am following him. When that is coming, when you were raised on this your whole life and now you can finally taste it, that the Messiah is on his way, that is when everyone who knows when that means will want to prepare themselves for the coming of God. And so the passage goes on. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my son, whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. Galilee is not in the Judean countryside. Galilee is not in Jerusalem. Galilee is around the Sea of Galilee. It's to the north. It is a very different type of region. We'll talk about that in just a little bit. But interesting that all the people that come to be baptized are all from these regions where that is where the people that know what God is about is from. But Jesus, Jesus is from Galilee. But when he is baptized, we see the Messiah that John has been preaching about. We see that story move forward. We see the Spirit again descending as if a dove upon him. We see God claim him that this is my son with whom I am well pleased. And as we said, when the spirit descends, when the spirit appears, that's when you know that what comes next is God fully at work. So we look forward to that. That's what baptism is, though that declaration that I am leaving all of what I was behind. And now what comes next, it is for God. All right. So why is it that you think that Mark goes out of his way to emphasize where people are from? He is saying something pretty clear about it, something that's going to come up as we go through the rest of the book of Mark. And what that is has a lot to do with what I said about the people that were from those regions, right? The people that were from Jerusalem, for instance, the people that were there, they are the ones that are followers of the priest. They are the ones that are on the inside. They are the ones that very much so know what it is to follow God rightly. In the same way, those that for the Judean countryside, they are the ones that uh, are the Pharisees. They, they know the law inside and out. They think they know exactly how to do things. These are the ones that are the, the good people, the good followers of God. These are the ones that when you think of what it means to be a good follower of God, to be one of his children in the right way, they are from these places. Which is what makes it kind of interesting that when you go through the rest of Mark's gospel, they do come up again. They do come up quite a bit. 
The Pharisees kind of don't know what to do with Jesus for a, a long amount of time. They kind of ask him questions. And at times, it seems like they're doing it in good faith. It seems like they are doing it because they genuinely want to know the answers that this holy man has. But then there are other times where that doesn't seem to be the way that he are asking those questions anymore. They try to trap him. They try to trick him. They try to figure out, no, I don't think this is quite right. These people that know exactly who it is that God is because they've been raised with it. These people that are the right type of followers of God. These people that are the good followers of God, the ones that know exactly who it is that God is, know exactly what it is that God has come to do. They try to figure out what it is that Jesus is and why it doesn't seem right to them. Why it is that what Jesus is preaching doesn't seem like what they think should be what God is teaching, what God is leading. This Messiah that Jesus Christ is supposed to be, they try to figure out why it is that he does not line up with what it is they assume God should be all about. The passage goes on. Who is it that is in the crowd that chants crucify him, right? They're people from Jerusalem. They are people that knew who God was, that were raised with who God was. That is who is being baptized here. That is who is dedicating their lives to them. People that know exactly who God is, and yet, for some reason, when they come face to face with them, he just does not have the message that they think that he should have. Now, what about Galilee? They made a point about how Jesus is from Galilee. Why is that important? Well, Galilee, as we said, is to the north. Galilee is kind of a backwater to Jerusalem. But it's not saying that it isn't an important place. Galilee is a place where there are crossroads going through it. People that are traitors from Rome would go through Galilee. People that are traitors from the Parthian Empire, where Persia is, Iran, Iraq, that area, they would go through Galilee. And because of that, Galilee is a place where you would end up with lots of people that were not the right sort, let's say. You would end up with a lot of people that they knew who God was. They were raised with it as well. But at the same time, they didn't do things in quite the right way. They didn't do things exactly how we were supposed to. It gets a bit worse. Galilee is also an area where a lot of the radicals that are present in the first century are from. Galilee is an area where there is a lot of violence. There are rebellions that crop up there. And so what Galilee is in the minds of the people of that time, is Galilee is a place that is filled with the wrong sort. Galilee is a place where the good, the good followers would look down their noses at them and be like, you guys, you guys are not quite right. And yet that is where Jesus, we are told, is from. Not just Jesus, that is where virtually all of the apostles are from. Not just all the apostles that core group that follows Jesus, and then after that, the thousands that follow him all the way to Jerusalem, that is where a lot of them are from. And they are all of not quite the right sort. <coughs> and that says an awful lot about who our God is. And it says an awful lot about who his people are as well. 
Because the good kind of people, the people that knew exactly who God was, the people who knew exactly what it is that he had come to do, they were the ones that could not stay with them. They were the ones that could not see God in the teachings of Jesus. But the Galileans, on the other hand, the ones that weren't quite the right sort, the ones that had lives that were marred by violence, marred by all sorts of unsavory things, the Galileans, they were the ones who recognized God in Jesus readily. Another way of saying it is, it's almost like those that knew exactly who it was that God was and what he's about were the ones that couldn't see him at all. And those that were not the right sort of people, those that didn't really know who God was down to the finest detail, when Jesus came with his message of peace, when Jesus came with his message of love, they were the ones who saw God most readily of all. And that, <coughs> that is a message that particularly at this time of the year, when we are in the season of epiphany, when we're in that season of praising God that he came for all people, we're in that season of praising God that he came for all people and not just the right sort of people. Looking at that and how Mark plays that out and pays attention to that, in light of the baptism, in light of the coming of the Messiah, that is a message that is wonderful to take to heart. It's a message that's wonderful to take to heart for a number of reasons, but just for today, for at least two. The first is that if you are the kind of person that doesn't figure that you are the right sort of Christian, if you are the type of person that isn't even a Christian and you kind of figure that what would God ever want to do with you after the life that you've lived, after the things that you've done, after the things that make you recoil at the thought of yourself, well, if you are that kind of person, I got good news for you. That is overwhelmingly who God has come for. And that's something we see as we go through all of the Bible that God has come for the wrong kind of people. Think of the book of Genesis. Think of all of the patriarchs. As you read through that book, which I encourage you to, wonderful reading, every last one of them are terrible people. We continue on. You can go to Moses. Moses straight up killed a guy. You can continue on. You go to David. David, well... Read about David. Go through all of the kings. Go through the judges. Go through all of them. And they are without pause, lacking in some way. And that is who God works through. That is who God chooses to work through. And now the Galileans... The Galileans who are the wrong kind of people. The Galileans that are from that backwater. The Galileans who are often more violent than the right type ought to be. That is of who all people that our Lord could choose to be born to. That is where he chooses to be from. Those are the people 
that he works through. You figure that you have done things that would make God blush? I guarantee you, you haven't. If you figure you've done things that will keep you from his love again, I guarantee you, you haven't. If you feel that God would want nothing to do with you, we got a book that is 1,800 pages long that is story after story of how our Lord wants to know you better. That's the first thing we can take from that. There's also the other. And it is a bit less great. <laughs> More. Who knows who that is? I've shared a quote from him before. He was the president of the Southern Baptists for a good number of years. And what that means is that he had to deal with pastors. Oh, that is an unfortunate job. And what he found near the end of his tenure as the president of the Southern Baptist is that something was happening more and more often. You might have heard this before. I think I've shared it before. What that was is that when pastors were sharing the messages of Jesus Christ, particularly the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the meek, make sure to give food to your people that are hungry, blessed are the peacemakers, on and on, highly recommend it. As they were sharing the messages of Jesus, particularly the Sermon on the Mount, what would always happen is after the sermon, people would come up to them and they would say, pastor, preacher, probably preacher, if people are being rude to you because of a sermon, they usually call you preacher. Preacher, what are you doing teaching that socialist nonsense? And then when the preacher would point out, that's not socialist nonsense. These are literally the words of Jesus Christ. You think that at that point there would be this point of recollection, this point of, oh, oh, well, I should apologize. Without a doubt, every last one of them would double down. Well, there's no place for that today. That is weak teaching. It's almost as if they knew so well what the world needed that when it didn't line up with what Jesus Christ taught, then clearly, clearly it was God that was in the wrong. This isn't me saying anything negative about the Southern Baptists. This isn't me saying anything negative about a particular way of seeing the world, but instead... It is saying that those of us that are the right type of Christian, the good type of person, those of us that clearly understand who God is and clearly know exactly what it is that he would have us do in all things and there is absolutely no doubt in our mind, there does seem to be that possibility that we are the ones that will get the will of God the most wrong. That can happen with politics. It very often happens with politics. Our own beliefs, we are so sure, are the right ones that obviously they have to be the Christian ones. This happens regardless of where on the political spectrum you are. It happens with other things too. 
happens very often when we think of other believers. It happens very often when we think of other churches. When we think about how we do things as compared to how they do things. All too often, we assume that the reason that we do things the way we do is such a right thing that any other church, any other Christian, any other person that would do it any other way, they are obviously in the wrong. Obviously, it isn't just that they are in the wrong. Obviously, they are about as far from God as could possibly be. Obviously, they are about as far from God as can possibly be that we find ourselves, the more we thinking about it, getting angrier and angrier and angrier. And before we know it, well, we might as well just be shooting crucify him. This is something that is so easy to happen. So, it sneaks up on you, right? But at the same time, we see throughout Mark's gospel exactly what happens when we are so positive that we know what God's belief is, what God's will is, that we are unwilling to listen to what our God is actually saying. And that, that's a problem. And it's a problem that it feels like it's just been getting bigger and bigger and bigger in our society over the last couple of years. It's a problem that while many people deal with it, it seems like our particular corner of the church might be dealing with it a bit stronger than a lot of the others. And that should make us take pause. Thankfully, our passage today tells us exactly what it is that we need to do if we find ourselves in that place, right? Repent, be baptized, declare yourself for the Lord. If you've already been baptized, this isn't me telling you you need to go and get baptized again, but the commitments that we make in our baptism, the declaration that we make that now we are for God, now we are following him, from the moment that we get out of that muddy water of the Jordan, our old life washed behind. Now we are following the will of God, the Spirit in us. You don't need to get baptized again to recommit to that. After all, isn't it a running joke that that's what happens at camp every year 10,000 times? There's nothing wrong with recommitting to your baptism vows that from now on, I'm putting my old life behind me, my own ideas of who it is God is, and I am paying attention to him. In our passage today, we see that, that is something we can do, that that is something we need to do, that that is something that we need to do often. And that our God came. And that he came for everybody. Think about that. 
if he came for all people, if he loves all people, just like we say that he does, then that means that while it can be tricky to try to figure out what we think the will of God is compared to what it actually is, we do have a bit of a red flag there. If how it is that we think God wants us to be in this world is finding us looking at other people and seeing how terrible they are, is finding us looking at other people and saying that they are the wrong sort, is finding us looking at other people and saying just how terrible they are, well, then there's a pretty good chance that we should find ourselves renewing our baptism vows today. We are in the season of epiphany. We are in the season where we thank the Lord that he has come for all people, those who think they deserve it and those who know they certainly don't together and combined. We praise God for that every day. We praise God that this is who he is, that this is what he wants for us, that this is what he has done. And so I leave you just with this one question. What is keeping you from the Lord today? Do you figure that you can't have anything to do with our God because you're just not the right sort? Well, good news, he wants to know you. Or are you being kept from the Lord because you are so certain that you know what it is that he wants, that you are spreading anything but the love of God all around you? Good news. He wants you too. And so, as we go out into the week today, that right there, that is something we should spend our time thinking about. We'll do another hymn called At Calvary. I spent in vanity and pride, caring not my Lord was crucified, knowing not it was for me.
benediction comes from the book of 1 Corinthians. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all, and my love is with you in Jesus Christ. Amen. Go and serve our wonderful Lord. Do the last verse. Uh, keep those hymn sings uh, dates in mind, April 20th in Winkler, April 21st here in McGregor. And it'll be a lot more fun with my choir behind me.